0: You know the song uh, "God Rest You Merry Gentlemen." We sing a lot of these Christmas songs this time of year, and we don't really take them in. So, I want, what I want to do is, we're going to sing—not we're not going to sing this because I can't sing at all—but we're going to look at this, and I want you to just really own these words for a minute. This is this is them right there. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Nothing you dismay, for Jesus Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. If I were to be so bold, I would say, on some level, each of us in this room has shown up looking for comfort and joy. I would be further boldness. That's something we've all been searching for our whole lives, hoping that this would be a reality. See, the reason this Christmas season is such a big deal for us as we find ourselves decorating and hanging up wreaths, setting out lights, all the stuff that comes with the season, and we find ourselves being awakened to something in it. But the thing is, that thing we feel, it only scratches the surface for the deep ache that we feel inside. See, when the wise men left the comfort Of all that they had gained, all the status, all the things they had accumulated to go camping for who knows how long, they were seeking the same thing that you and I were seeking. Some of us are in here right now seeking to be reminded, while others, you're seeking that you could actually have what that person next to you has because you were invited by them and they just seem to have something. Maybe it is comfort and joy. Matthew talks about this. After the interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When the wise men, they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now catch this. What just was stated here when it comes to filled with joy, filled with joy, this can oftentimes be translated with rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. What does that mean? Kel translation, these guys went nuts. When they saw this kid, they realized who he was and said, oh my goodness, this is who it is. And the best picture I could possibly paint of how deep and significant this moment is, is at that moment when a kid gets that gift on Christmas Day that he was desperately hoping for. And I found a few of them, so I wanted to introduce them. One more thing, my boy. Let's go! Let's go! Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, man. See, some of y'all are going to experience that this week, which will be awesome. See, some of us, we have a tendency... When we hear stories like this, we imagine the wise men that if we had grown up church, we tend to think these wise men were just a bunch of formal guys. You know, they're wrapped in bed sheets and they walked around doing all kind of wise many things. But what, keep in mind if we were to look at that passage, these guys, they were rejoicing with exceedingly great joy when they came before this specific King of Kings. The question we gotta ask ourselves, because we don't know the ending just yet. Imagine that. Why? Why would they be beyond themselves based off everything they've seen, everything they've bumped into to this point? Because think about it. These wise men, they'd probably seen a king before. They probably had bumped into a king's son. They probably had been in the presence of many kings. What made this one so special? I would like to say that these wise men had found something they were looking for. They had heard about the Hebrew prophecies around this specific king. They had looked up at every night sky, every book, every prophecy, and they had finally found the one, get this, they are willing to travel for. The one that holds everything together, the person who can take the chaos of life and turn it into the comfort of joy, that's what they had found and they had realized it. And some of us are here today hoping that that actually can be true for us. Some of us are in here with a bunch of hopes, but a lot of doubts on whether this Jesus stuff is real. Some of you, if you're being honest, you're just here because of duty. You come once on Easter, you come once on Christmas, or maybe mom invited you, or maybe you just come with the wife, or maybe it's just a family tradition, whatever it is, and if you're being further honest, you really don't even think this Christmas stuff applies to you. You actually might be in the camp of thinking, I have wrecked my life so much. Preacher, if you only knew some of the things I have done, you wouldn't even want to talk to me. You may be afraid to walk into a church because you just don't want to deal with all the judgment or the shame that you constantly feel as you walk around places like this. Or maybe the moment you walk in these doors, memories come up of all the things that you've ever done. Can I just say this? Me too. Me too. See, there is a time I did not know who God was. And by his grace, he still introduced himself to me. See, when it comes to these wise men, there's a lot of attention paid to the distance these guys traveled to get to Jesus, but not near enough attention paid to the distance that Jesus traveled to get to you and I. He came from the comfort, think about that, the comfort of heaven to earth for you and I. All the Christmas stories shouts this amazing good news that no matter how dark your life is, no matter how far you've run, how far you've gone, what you've done, the darkness of your thoughts, your action, the marriage that you've ruined, the kids that you've abandoned, no matter the chaos that you have experienced in this life, Christmas shouts that there's comfort and joy from all the shame and guilt that sin has produced in our lives. And joy in knowing that there's hope that who I was isn't who I am under the banner of Jesus. You have not gone too far to where the Father will not chase you down and say, come to me. And that's good news for Christmas. Christmas. Jesus covered the distance and he came for you and I. And if that comforts you, it should. And if that brings you great joy, it should. Now, as I was writing this this week, I came to this moment where I feel like I need to pause and say this. Some of us are sitting here hearing all that. And you're sitting there thinking, well, that sounds a little unreal. Sounds a little disconnected from reality. Do you understand what I go through on a regular basis, preacher? 30 years or so after Jesus had been crucified, one of his followers started to hear very similar things. And so what he did was he sat down and started to capture more stories that no one knew at that time of their time with Jesus. And he wanted to specifically say this Hey, I was there. I saw the stuff that Jesus did. I experienced what had happened. And he wanted to settle that with no doubt in his mind that Jesus was who he says he was because he experienced it. And he wrote this about Jesus, opening his letter up. In the beginning, the word Jesus already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. That Jesus, the eternal word, who spoke the Milky Way and thousands of other galaxies into existence became a baby that could all he do was gurgle and cry. The very source of life depended on a teenager to feed him. The one that holds the gravitational pull of the sun in his hand submitted to having his diaper changed. John wanted to settle that Jesus happened and he knew he needed to write it down, so he did. He wanted to make it clear God came to earth. So with all that, my brain took a left this week, and I found myself thinking about, I wonder what it would have been like for the wise men to leave town, getting ready for this journey. Just imagine it. Wise men getting their stuff together. Hey, wise men Bob, where are you all going? Y'all don't really travel much. What y'all doing? What y'all up to? Uh, well, Walter, we've seen a star. And this is a big deal because we've actually been watching for this one for a while now. A star? Yeah. Where's this star at? Looks like it's in Jerusalem. Jerusalem? That backwater place? What's good in Jerusalem? And body, wait, wait, wait. Who cares about a king coming from Jerusalem? Do you understand where you're at in the world? And I imagined, I wondered, that as these guys left town, if people were saying things like, it might be time for some new wise men because I don't think our current wise men are currently cutting it. But that might be the wisest thing these wise men have ever done. They left the king that they were a part of, and they advised the wealth, the status, and pursued Jesus. And after leaving all that, they find Jesus, and they did the wisest thing they could ever do. They bowed their lives and worshipped him. This is what it said. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave the wealth that they had acquired and bowed everything that they had before him. The guys who had seen it all realized that all they ever wanted was in the, the eyes of this child that was before them. And as some of us are sitting right here thinking, I've seen enough I've bumped into so many things. There's been so much pain in my life. There is things that I can't even make sense of. I've seen enough. It's time for something new. Can I suggest that you give it to the King of Kings? That if it's good enough for wise men to do it, maybe it's good enough for you too as well. In the next few moments. I would encourage you to do that. What does that look like? An honest conversation with God. You can stare at the carpet, you can sit in your chair, you can come up here to the altar, you can do whatever you want. But have an honest conversation. Lord, I have lived my life my way. This is where it's gotten me. Maybe it's time. There's a house in Livonia, maybe you've heard of it, And we recently, Gracie and I heard about it, and now it's on our buckets list, and it's called uh, Christmas with the Golfs. Maybe you've heard of them. Um, What you need to know is this is a a house out in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) Um, and what it is is apparently bunches of people. It's actually ended up on the news a few times. People will drive near and far to go see these lights. And so this would be my encouragement for this season. Let's not forget how far the light traveled for you and I. For those of us who came here today and you feel like darkness is looming over you, and you came here hoping that Jesus was and is who he says he is, the light of the word, I have some good news. He is. He is. And that good news should bring you great comfort and joy. What that means is there is no ground that he won't cover, no dark corner he won't walk into, no distance he won't travel to introduce himself to you. The question is will you accept it? So, for the next few moments, we're going to sing a few songs. And we're going to light some candles. It's going to be real pretty. But I would would encourage you to direct your mind as we do this. See, some of us, we're going to raise these candles. And we're going to reflect over the sin that was in our life this past year. And how God gave victory to that. Some of us, we're going to raise these candles and what's going to come to mind quick is that mountain in your life that seems insurmountable. Some of us are going to raise these candles hopefully for the first time today believing in Jesus in a new way. But all of us, as we stand here and we hold that candle and not trying to burn someone next to us, The light of the world stepped down into darkness and gave hope to you and I. So as we sing these, worship a king that did that. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, there's always moments in sermons like this where I know there's a bunch of different people sitting in the chairs and uh, there's those that are sitting there asking questions about who you are. If this is real, did you really do all this stuff? And Lord, I ask that you would speak in that moment. And Lord, for those walking in with a burden that feels almost unbearable, Father, would you speak in that moment? Now, Lord, we all walk in with the desire to see you as king. Father, I just ask that as we worship in the next few minutes, as we sing these songs with deep meaning that people for hundreds of years have sung in response to the reality of you coming to earth, that it would fill us with comfort and joy. Lord, for that person sitting there and their heart is going 90 miles an hour because they know the next step in their walk with you. Father, would you encourage them to respond, that they would not walk out of these doors with the same heart and the same mind, that you would, in this moment, renew them and give them a new life. And Lord, would you surround us? As we go through the next couple weeks of Christmas, would we not get lost in the busyness, but will we find ourselves in the comfort and the joy? Lord, we love you. Thank you for the gift of Christmas. Thank you for the power of your son displayed. In the name of pray.